0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
1: Hey there, and welcome to Big Universe. I'm Jim Lefter. I'll be your host for today. I'm a spiritual journeyman and media consultant. Joining me is my amazing co-host, spiritual rebel, Sarah Bowen. Sarah is the author of Sacred Sendoffs, an animal chaplain's advice for surviving animal loss, making life meaningful, and healing the planet. Hi, Sarah. How are you today?
0: Hey, I'm good, Jim. How are you?
1: Good. I I understand you took a trip across the pond related to your book. Tell me about that.
0: I did, and I'm still curious why we call it the pond, because it took a long time to get across to England.
1: (laughs) Merry old England. Yes, I don't know. It seems like a very British thing to say.
0: It does. It does. Well, you know, and I haven't I haven't really been over to the UK except for, you know, business, um, you know, where you're flying in, you're in a hotel and you're flying out. But I had the pleasure of spending a week in Oxford, which is, yeah, which is one of these places that for me is kind of, um, Oh, I guess I have to admit, I don't even think I thought it existed for real. It was right? like it's,
1: like Hogwarts or something. Something
0: like it was very much like Hogwarts. Um, I was there for a conference with uh, the uh, Oxford Center for Animal Ethics. There's a, there's a guy I really like um, named Andrew Lindsay who's written some books on animal theology, and his daughter Claire runs this wonderful school so over there in the summer. So I uh, I went over, and I stayed in a room that had been built in the 1200s. Wow. So, you know, it was this kind of rickety little staircase to go up it, right? And I felt like I was kind of going in. I kept thinking about C.S. Lewis, who, you know, had written mm-hmm. in that area, too. And kind of, I have to admit, Jim, when I went in that room, the first thing I did was open up the wardrobe to see if, like, maybe I could go in <laughs> and I could go to some kind uh-huh. of fantasy land from Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. But right, right, there's such a rich heritage for those of us who love books, you know, Tolkien, had had uh, been a professor at the school that I was at. And there's just this kind of um, history, I think, that, well, I don't we didn't have it at at the undergrad college, Big Ten School, right, right that I went right. to. And so it was just a, a lovely time to see kind of what Oxford was like. And so many uh, universities and colleges all kind of in one area and, and bells ringing all the time. Because there's so many different churches, so there's kind of this dong, 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 you know, going on, and and that was my big takeaway, was we need to get rid of our watches and go back to some system where bells ring to tell us where we should be at any given time.
1: Oh, I see. <laughs> well, that is very, very important thing to uh, to discover when you're on a trip to England.
0: It was. It was. So I'm looking forward to going back sometime and and spending more time. I think you had a trip recently too, didn't you?
1: Uh, yes. We went to Alaska. We had we had journeyed on a cruise ship to Alaska. It was wonderful. We got to see. We had to visit with the sled dogs and and do all kinds of fun stuff. Um, it was really it was really amazing. It's uh, it's beautiful out there.
0: Yeah, the other side of the pond.
1: Yes. 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 But, well, we have one of our favorite guests coming on today, Vincent Jenna. Uh, Vincent is a, a psychic therapist, which you don't hear very often, psychic therapist and medium. He has background in the psychology um, as well as being a psychic. And uh, he's going to enlighten us on, on a new model of uh, thinking of things uh, in terms of psychology that includes sort of a additional steps to the traditional pyramid i think it's going to be really interesting and also you know he's going to help us get to the root of our beliefs um which is fascinating stuff
0: it is and i always like people who combine science and spirituality we talked we talked to a lot of people around here who do that so how can we look at both sides instead of seeing them in opposition but seeing what um how each can inform the other absolutely
1: absolutely absolutely so do you have a quote for us today
0: i do it's short and sweet all journeys have secret destinations of which the traveler is unaware
1: oh that is so true
0: <laughs> that's martin buber who's one of my favorite uh jewish writers and uh who wrote ik undu a very formative theology book uh, back at the beginning of the last century. Uh, But I like that idea that there's secret, you know, we plan like I'm going to the UK or you're going to Alaska, but we don't always know what um, what's waiting for us there. And the same thing in our own personal inner journeys. We just don't know. We think like, oh, I'm going to go be enlightened. And yet, no, there's like other places we're headed first.
1: Right, right. Different paths that we (laughs) we think we're going on a particular path, and no, it's- That's uh, right. No mud, no lotus. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And how about you this week?
1: Every incident is nourishing. Every circumstance is nourishing. Every word is nourishing. Every sound is nourishing, because the same love is in everything and in everyone.
0: Oh, what's that?
1: Let's see if I can pronounce it correctly. Swami Chidvila Sandananda. Swami Chidvila Sandananda.
0: All right.
1: I don't know him. You got <laughs> but the last I like the half quote. right. Did Ananda
0: I? is the last half. Yeah.
1: Did I, I didn't do good on the first half. Well, I don't
0: know because I can't see how that's spelled out. So uh, we'll, we'll
1: just have... say, we'll just pretend I did.
0: There you go. I think you did quite well.
1: <laughs> and it's
0: a fabulous quote. And it made me think both of. Uh, The fact that I haven't had lunch yet, (laughs) so I haven't nourished my body perhaps in the way that that I need to, but also some excitement for the um, mental nourishment we're about to have.
1: Sounds good. All right. You ready to get into the episode?
0: Let's do it.
1: An authentic and gifted psychic medium with the knowledge and experience of a psychotherapist and the big charming personality of a showman, Vincent Jenna uses his more than 39 years of training, research, and experience in the metaphysical, psychological, and spiritual fields to dive deep into your psyche, that sounds scary, to release unconscious blockages, resistance, and self sabotaging beliefs and behaviors so you can fulfill the life of your dreams. And now he's the author of a new best-selling book, The Secret That's Holding You Back. Hi, Vincent. Welcome to Big Universe. Gosh,
2: Jim, thanks for having me back here. It's great to be part of the big
1: universe, right? it is awesome to have you and i understand you just recorded the audio version of your book tell me how was that experience
2: oh my gosh that was harrowing and fun at the same time because it was so funny because one of the the um recording studio artists that they use by publisher uses i've used before for all of my recordings that are all on my website my um uh, meditation cd all the lectures that i have on there so we knew each other and i knew what to expect this guy is so talented he wouldn't let me get away with anything (laughs) the consonants at the end of the words wait and 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 say human not human right right and i was like yeah but that's not my dialect he said you don't understand we need people to understand what you're saying so you can keep your dialect i'm not changing that but you need to pronounce some of the words correctly in order for them to hear so he actually saved my d's my t's my s's and he clipped them apart from words that were really good and he saves them and then when he goes back and he edits, he spends hours upon hours replacing a bad ending with a good ending. Oh, just my go. goodness. So we work 10 hours a day, okay, for five days straight.
1: Wow, your voice must have been really tired oh, by it the was end of the Oh, but as soon as he started hearing
2: it, that's it, you're done. We can't, nope, yeah, your voice is too raspy. Or, or it was so funny because we'd know when I'd have to take a break for dinner because you would hear my stomach. Your stomach. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah.
2: So the recording, the mic was uh, was so, and I didn't even say hello to you, Reverend Sarah. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, I'm, no worries at all. But I'm,
0: I'm having my own kind of flashbacks because I did an audio recording once too. And I remember one of the tips was that every once in a while they made me bite. And I wonder if they did this with you. They made me bite into a green apple because when you're uh when you're speaking and you start to i don't know this sounds odd but it it starts to be like too fluid in your mouth they have you bite on an apple which kind of sucks everything out and dries your mouth out isn't that odd that is that odd,
2: oh, odd. Did, oh that you is you
0: didn't odd. have to, okay well i guess no, i guess no, my i didn't mouth... have to do that
2: i had the reverse i was getting too dry and so you yeah. got, got a lot of lip smacking
0: yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. And then to go back and to listen and, and to, to do it with a way where you don't overly, you know, critique yourself, or, you know, you don't get oh, tired of hearing yourself. It's just such you a fascinating process.
2: I'm listening to my son, like, wait a minute, that's not how I speak. I want it to sound very natural. And so that was very important for me, mm. but I wasn't speaking naturally. But by the time he finished editing it, and then a couple of then he, even a month or two went by, and I had to go back in after my publisher found, even no matter how great we both were, and he was on this, there were some words I left out from mm. the um, uh, and but we didn't catch it. So I had to go back, and there was only six of those. But he had 100 fixes waiting for me wow. to edit that night. And so I go back in, and he said, okay, i don't know if you want to get away with this but i don't want to get away with this and he says we gotta you go you gotta record and he wouldn't make me record a whole section he says the least amount of recording that i have to put and stick in the easier it's going to flow so he would have me say a sentence that had to be corrected but he would use only either a consonant from it or one word and stick it in until it matched perfectly so my voice had to match with the previous recording it was an artistic
0: and it is
1: it really is yeah, it's, you know, it's artistic it is for everybody yeah
0: and i think it's important for for those of you who are listening i mean we're in such a podcast era now where we you know we we've gotten very comfortable with with being able to listen to ourselves natural but to understand the great amount of work that goes into the audiobooks you listen to and the technical skill of the people behind the scenes mm-hmm. that really oh. make this happen. So oh, you know, shout out guy. to all of the folks who are who are making audiobooks. Yes. So that we can hear them and understand them and and it's really quite a skill.
1: Well, you know, I was on the other side of that when I was younger. I was a producer at Discovery and and uh, all that sort of stuff. And I was actually, I wasn't doing the editing, but I was, I was actually directing people in in terms of narration for television. So wow. I, so I get, I got the other side of it. So I, I understand what you're talking about with all this. And Vincent, oh, yeah, Vincent, you, uh, you, you were, you are, you were a showman in the past. You were actually even in the movie Grease. Is that right?
2: Yes, I was. I was a singer and dancer. My greatest claim to fame. And let me tell you something. I did a bunch of movies. They were small. And of course, I was, you know, very small parts here and there. Um, But if there was any movie that I was going to be in that was going to last the rest of my life, not only to be able to get me something that helped me in some way. And I'll explain that a little bit. But I also still receive residuals from that dang movie and some really decent ones. And yes, Greece. It was just amazing to have been in that, but it really changed my entire life, which is what led to this book. Yeah. And I, I even write about it in there. Yeah, I just and- had
0: to go Google him in Greece because it was one of my favorite movies <laughs> as a child. <laughs> and I'm probably part of those residuals you're still getting because <laughs> when that movie comes on. <laughs> I have to watch it. I know every word and I would sing and dance around as a kid. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) And it's so funny. I do have uh, myself. I have American Film Magazine. Um, I have all of these pictures um, uh, from from having done it, even with John, um, a podcast that I'm doing also (laughs) wants to send pictures. I want to see some pictures. It's it's very funny. But uh, yes, it was a great experience. But it really did help me because it changed my relationship with my greatest enemy from school who became my catalyst for all my gifts coming out. And we talked about that, I believe, the, the last time is um, this was a guy who needed a lot of help. And nobody knew how to help him because he wasn't sharing anything with them. And he, he would, you would ask him how you're doing and everything was wonderful. And he would brag about himself about everything, but I kept hearing something different. And it was after visiting him in a weekend at his place in Connecticut, my wife and I would drive him back to Long Island and I was in tears. I was just crying because my heart was breaking for this mm-hmm. guy because I knew there was something going on. And I asked God to give me the ability to help him. And within a week, all these paranormal things happened to me, which gave me the gifts that I have today, which is crazy, and led me in a completely new direction as a spiritual teacher rather than a performer. Um, so, so, yeah, so Greece really had all to do with it, it because I was so well-respected well from having been in the movie. It was an instantaneous blockbuster by my first high school reunion. And so I was. It was like a Cinderella story. All these kids used to pick on me in school because I was the bullied one. And then at the reunion, they were around me like I was the prince that came to the ball, and um, it was just amazing. It was just amazing story.
1: And what's cool? One of the things that's cool about your background is that you you're you're both a therapist, you're a psychic therapist and medium, which is really interesting, um, because you know a lot of psychics actually. Obviously, don't have that kind of background. Tell me a little bit about that background. I didn't want to be a loony.
2: Okay, when I was told I was going to be a spiritual teacher, and this psychic stuff came to me, and that people were telling me, "Oh, you're psychic. You're psychic." And I'm like, "No, nah, I don't want to be a psychic." Those are crazy people from California. <laughs> it's like, I don't. That's all I knew of them because that's where they were coming from, and that you watch TV and the movies, right? about it so i had such a, a a different mindset for that and um once i got involved in it it still was very important to me i'm getting into your mind because that's what it is i connect with your soul which is located in your superconscious mind so i have to go in your mind the imp- matter of fact the deepest darkest places of the human mind i get to go and see now a lot of psychics don't go that far I'm not afraid to go that deep, but as long as I was going that deep, I said, listen, I need some ability here so that I know what I'm doing. I don't wanna hurt anybody. And an event happened to me that took me out of the job that I was doing at the time. And all my clients, including my wife from doing readings told me, why don't you become a psychotherapist? Go back to school, go back to school. So I was 39 years old and everybody is telling me to go back to school. So I did full-time, I had no background in school. So it actually took me seven years and a couple of transfers of universities, finally in North Carolina to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, which is one of the best universities in the country. And um, graduated there. I was gonna actually go for my psychology degree, but that would have taken another three years on top of, no, I'm sorry, four years more on top of what I had done Um, and I've you know having been older already with two kids and my wife was supporting us while I was going full time I wasn't bringing in any money at all and um, and it was my advisor that said listen what do you want to do you want to counsel right so you don't need a psychology degree in order to counsel. The only difference between a social worker, clinical social worker and a psychologist is you can't do tests. You can't test, you know, do personality tests and stuff like that. And I didn't care about that anyway. So that's what led me to the School of Social Work. And so I've got my degree there and I had my own practice. I had actually two locations because I worked for the school and then they started referring students to me. So I wound up having two locations. And then from there, I worked for hospice and it was the greatest work I did because You learn how to live from working with those who are dying. Um, And especially the mediumship part that was, you know, helping me. I was connecting more and I was having all this psychic awareness for all my clients. And it was so funny because while I was going to school, my supervisors and professors, I was, I was, you do internship right away when you are in a school of social work. So I was working at the school clinic and the supervisors were like, wow, Vince, you must have some kind of sixth sense in, in regarding diagnosing because you can diagnose so accurately within five minutes of meeting a client and usually it takes a week or two of meetings before you can come up with a diagnosis and I'm like yeah maybe I do have that sixth sense I'll look into it,
1: it was
2: <laughs> the psychic part I knew exactly yeah. not only did I know what their disorder was I knew what their issue that was causing it Um, so that's what led me to get my psychotherapy degree and my license. But then years later, I had to let go of the license so I could do it my way because it was taking too long to do it their way.
1: Got it. Got it. Uh, One of the things, I mean, that really informs your book in a lot of ways. I mean, you, you go, what, what's really cool is that you go into models of psychiatry in there and you add some new elements into there. So let's talk a little bit about you know the the various parts of the of the pyramid that that it was initially there and the kinds of things that you added into as you as you explored things so there's the the you know the basics we know of the conscious the subconscious and the superconscious talk a little bit about those levels
2: well those are the levels that actually freud sigmund freud was the one who really pioneered the study of the human mind and originally it was thought of as that uh, you've seen the iceberg model of the human mind to show how much is in conscious awareness. The part that's above the water in an iceberg represents the part of the human mind that's in conscious awareness. And then that big, deep part of the iceberg that's under the water, that's submerged, is the part of the human mind that is in unawareness. And that actually accounts for 2 to 5% conscious 95 to 98% unconscious. Well, when Freud was doing his work, he realized that that unconscious part consisted of a division of two other types of minds. The subconscious mind, which is automatic, that controls all our automatic functioning, our breathing, our heart beating, all those, those things that we don't have to think and make happen, that happens, the subconscious mind controls. But it also controls automatic thoughts and behaviors, so your conscious mind and what you hear from your environment begins to train your subconscious mind in how to respond and also how to behave. You don't have to think about how to brush your teeth anymore once you're taught how to, or how to walk. You don't think about the parts of that, you just do it. Right. Then there's the unconscious mind. And Freud thought that there was definitely a mind that was kind of a mind of its own that had some kind of wisdom and knowledge in it. It's where everybody understood that we knew the difference between right and wrong because of that mind, the information that was gathered in there. And that gets to train the subconscious mind, too. And John Locke, a philosopher, and even Thomas Jefferson tapped into the understanding of there is an innate knowing of different things like goodness and badness and, and unalienable or alienable rights that we know of that's in that mind. Okay, so Freud just left it as that. When Carl Jung, his greatest student, started his interest in the human mind, he went further and said that that unconscious mind is actually a superconscious mind, and the reason why you know the difference between right and wrong is because from that mind you're connected to a greater mind, a collective unconscious mind, or shall we say, the mind of God, okay? We in the spiritual world like to believe that that's actually what connects you is that's where your soul resides, your soul's mind resides in your superconscious mind, way down there. And between that mind and your conscious mind gets to guide your behaviors, your your choices, your thoughts, all of that. Freud called also the id, the ego, and the superego. And they're saying that the ego is your conscious part, and in that unconscious part is the superego, which Carl Jung was the soul's mind, and then the id, the gratification mind that would just wanted pleasure. So that's what's in those minds. But... In my studies and in my work, I began to realize that, look, in psychology, we understand that humans like to compartmentalize. And what I mean by that is we actually separate our lives into sections or shall we say, compartments. For example, we start off with the family compartment and the family unit, and as we begin to grow, and then maybe we have the school compartment and then the family compartment is there, and then the friend compartment, the school compartment, the family compartment, and then as we get older, the volunteer, the the husband, the, the parenting, and they're all compartments that we work on individually. And actually, in psychology, we realize that the more compartments humans make, the healthier they seem to be, because if any one compartment fails, they've got many others to depend on. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, well, if the mind likes to compartmentalize, what does it do about information that comes in? So we've just got the conscious mind, the subconscious mind, the unconscious mind. Okay. Or the superconscious mind. Well, if your soul resides in the superconscious mind, it knows all the goodness about who we are. Now, we come into the world and we start receiving negative messages from the environment. And so, to me, these new negative messages that the soul's mind doesn't know and isn't as as experienced yet, that starts to come in I would imagine that the mind, the brain, would want to put that in a separate compartment. So I went along with that to make people understand and to get a vision. I don't know, Jim, if there's really compartments in the mind, they could all be one big giant one, but we label (laughs) these things to help us understand
1: life a little bit easier, right? Right. So our heads
0: don't explode with too much information. Yes, (laughs) exactly.
1: What's an example of environmental made mind thought? I mean, what... oh, okay, you jumped
2: ahead before. I'm I sorry even... about that.
1: Go ahead, go ahead where no, you were. It's
2: okay. Well, what I was going to say is that the negative messages come in, and I believe that a new portion of the mind was created to harbor those negative messages, and I call them the environment-made mind. And why I call it the environment-made mind is because we're children. Children absorb. We don't have the wherewithal or the advanced thinking ability to create our own internal beliefs. They just kind of happen based on the messages that we're receiving, which is why it's so important to feed children. And when I say children, I'm referring all the way up until young adult 23 years old is where we start to go into a different developmental level. But until that point we're absorbing and and if you keep telling me that I didn't do good in school and that my C's are no good and my B's are no good and you want me to get A's or I'm at home and I'm acting up and I'm being bad or I'm having a temper tantrum and you're telling me that we don't like set that behavior and you keep correcting me I'm gonna start forming or that's going to form in my mind these beliefs about me the human mind and in the brain itself has two functions and i am maybe jumping ahead here but it's important to understand this is the highest function is to keep us alive and the second highest function is to protect us in order to keep us alive and so now it's going to compartmentalize i got we can't mix the negative messages with the positive messages in the unconscious soul mind because that's like oil and vinegar so now there's another level But that level is wedged now between your unconscious, superconscious mind and your subconscious mind. So now there's the environment-made mind. And some examples, to answer your question, are things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough, I'm not handsome enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not deserving enough, I'm not lovable enough. Those are the messages we receive from the way we are attended to in this life, by our parents, by our siblings, by all the adults, our teachers, even the condition of our environment. We're just constantly receiving these messages, and the brain takes it all in. Okay. Whatever it hears. And so it's harboring it now. Now you've got closest to your conscious mind, all of these maladaptive beliefs you're walking around with, and maybe in school you get picked on. And so you throw in another maladaptive beliefs. I'm not likable. Nobody likes me. So I'm is
1: it, stupid. is it all negative stuff that comes in the environment? Uh, yes. Environment, main mind.
2: Negative stuff that comes into that mind, any good stuff that happens Yes, the soul mind that comes from the other side, where there's nothing but love and positiveness, and all the, what we want to call the positive traits of God, what or shorts, whatever you want to call them, the collective unconscious knowing of goodness, yeah, that's in the soul mind and the unconscious mind. That's how we know we're good, because when we saw something negative happen, It didn't match what was in the good part. So that's how we were able to distinguish, wait a minute, this is goodness that I'm feeling here, but this over here doesn't seem to be that way and match. So this must be the opposite. And we put the name bad to it. But that's how we were able to judge the difference between right and wrong is because we had always a layer of good first. Always remember that. Nobody is born into this world with negativity, evilness, or anything like that. Not even a child. And I don't care. You take any child that is born that people want to say have um, a disassociative disorder or, or defiant disorder or any of the childhood disorders. That is because whatever was going on while that child was in the womb in its environment, they didn't say how old you have to be before you absorb the negative messages, right? right. You absorb them upon the time that you were
1: conceived.
2: Because, That's interesting.
1: That's interesting.
2: Yes, because energy starts the moment you're conceived. A new direction of energy is starting, which is what it's allowing the cells to split. Everybody thinks there needs to be a brain in there in order to hear and absorb. No. It's all about vibration. And every one of those cells has a mind of its own that's developing, that knows its function and knows that it needs to go as a hand and know it needs to go as an eye. And so that is all on its own. So it's absorbing then whatever is on the outside. So if you've got a mother or parents that are fighting and a negative, negative, I can't believe I'm pregnant again, I shouldn't be pregnant. That kid is going to absorb it. And that's the only way they would come into the world with negativity. Hmm. All All right.
0: So, okay. So that's, that's the environment made mind, but you also talk about another part of the mind too, which is the adult made mind. That's right. How does, how does that fit in here? Well, all right. Let's take that understanding. Boy, we're
1: going deep into all this. We're going deep. We, of course, we got to go deep. That's
2: name. It's Vincent Deep Jenner. <laughs> but you can't help it. So, all right, so what did I say? The second function, highest function, is to protect us. So now we're growing up, and a mind is developing, but we're growing up feeling bad about ourselves. These messages keep popping up from our unconscious mind. I'm not good enough, and it's actually the environment made mine. I'm not good enough. I'm not, that's because a teacher yelled at me because I'm stupid. Whatever it is, and that feels bad. And so now the brain is going, I can't function this way. I can't function this way. I got to do something else. To protect me and so it creates a new level a new compartment and i named it the adult made mind it's because the adult brain is what decides to set a new set of beliefs and a new compartment and in that compartment is all of freud's defense mechanisms and a whole new set of beliefs that shield you and protect you from the i'm nots so, in other words, instead of believing I'm not good enough, you're now walking around believing that, I didn't get that raise and promotion because my boss is an idiot. Or, I'm not, my, my relationship sucks here because he's terrible, or she's terrible, my partner is a jerk. And, and whatever, or the government, that's the reason why I have no money, or all of these. We will blame everything. We will blame blacks. We will blame women. We will blame Muslims. We will blame the LGBTQ plus community. We will blame anything we can to take the blame and the pain off of ourselves. It's growth and evolvement, right? Learning who we really are. So now you've got this new thought, new movement concept, where we're capable of manifesting all that we want. So we're taking in now positive information. But guess what? Because the adult-made mind is now wedged between the environment-made mind and your soul's mind, it is now the closest to your subconscious and conscious mind. And it is so strong and so powerful because think of this. You've got these messages, not only the good ones from your soul, always trying to squeak up there. No, you're good. No, you're wonderful. No, listen to this intuition. Don't go with him. He's not good. Oh, no, take this job. Don't go down this road. you got all those messages coming in at the same time as the, oh, you're not good enough. It's not going to work. Oh, you're not lovable. This is not going to be a good relationship. And so the adult-made mind has to be strong enough to push that down. Well, here's the unfortunate part. It's so strong to push that down that it also keeps the good information from really
0: sinking in. From getting in.
2: Yeah, that's it. So now you get people who say, oh, I know it. I know that I should be you know, loving myself more. I know that I should be believing in, and I do believe in the law of attraction and that I can manifest all I want, but it's just not getting in. It's not sinking in. I can't latch onto it. That's the reason why. It's because the adult made mind need to be disempowered before it can sink in.
0: All right, so there's the big question how do we do that
1: a big question that's a yeah. that's a little <laughs> question i don't know what you're talking about that's, how do we do uh, that he will just have a one-word response i'm sure
2: eat no easy buy my book
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's all right well how about that. how about some teasers for those oh, geez, okay been, uh...
2: okay so you've got to hear you know it's really really interesting and i can i can share it this way um I remember having a dream, and there are people who can lucid dream. Lucid dreaming is the awareness that you're dreaming and the ability to somehow control it, okay? So in a dream, when you are dreaming that there's something chasing you, an anxiety-ridden dream, a nightmare, uh, you know, a perpetrator is coming after you, wanting to hurt you, harm you, even a monster. Um, I used to dream of tidal waves that were going to get me and drown me I was always about water, which represents emotions. Well, lucid dreamers, if you were able to stop in your dream, turn around and face the perpetrator or face that wave, you would actually see what it is in your life that is chasing you and bothering you unconsciously to be able to heal. One of those I'm not and fears that's coming after you, and you would be able to heal it. So there are people who actually teach this to others to be able to control their lives well i even did it once and so the idea is when you face a threat it becomes disempowered our spiritual leaders knew that okay jesus was the first one to know it because he said when a person slaps you when a man slaps your right cheek turn and give him your left why didn't he say, walk away? Why didn't he say, ignore it? He didn't. He said, turn and give him your left. Gandhi said, you don't back away from the British when they're threatening you. You stand there and let them have to face their own inhumanity. So they would be beating him because He wouldn't move, he wouldn't do what they wanted him to do, and they would beat him until they stopped. Martin Luther King Jr. didn't say, you fight the whites, you stand for your values, you stand for what is threatening you, and it will back down and change in itself. And that's what every leader taught. So it's the same thing with your defense mechanisms. You face them and you face them by saying, I'm stopping myself if I don't have. So you look in your life and you go, All right, I don't have love in my life right now. I don't have a partner. I don't have love. And that's the most natural thing here. So somehow, some way, I'm stopping myself. That's part A is recognizing that somehow, some way, you're stopping yourself. And that is part of the greatest part of healing. And then you say, I don't see what it is. So I must be blocking that. Mm. Oh, the moment you say that, you're facing. You don't even have to know exactly what that block is. You could speak it. Well, I used to believe that it was because all men are jerks or all women are interested in men with money. That's a defense mechanism. So if you know what you've said, that makes it even better that you ad- announce it and say it. Well, that's got to be wrong. It's got to be something else.
1: Now, when you're doing this work, and there's pl- there's much more to dive into here. We're gonna right. we're gonna dive into it. When you're doing this work and you're trying to do this on yourself, um, mm-hmm. what? how do you how do you work it out do you do you recommend doing it on paper you know you write it out on paper do you recommend um do you recommend you know some sort of meditation what's what's a method um that i could use to work on these things all of the
2: above whatever is comfortable with you is what i always say um i was never a writer and that definitely goes to show because it took me 10 years to write this book um uh, but i was a speaker And so I would talk things out all the time, which is what I still do now. I still talk. When you can learn how to talk it out, you actually can do all my methods a lot easier and quicker and instantaneously. So yes, you can start with writing. People used to journal. Um, I do have a writing exercise in there called the personification meditation where you actually write and talk with your inner child. That is one exercise that's good for writing, but you can take notes if, as soon as you think of something. Okay, I must be, okay, here's what I used to say um, as an excuse as to why I'm not with a partner and write that down. And then look at it and say, this is a defense mechanism. So this is an AMM and an adult made mind belief and defense. Okay. so now I'm looking at it and you're facing it. And by facing it and writing it down or recording it and speaking it. A lot of people like to record, too, and play it back. You're facing it and you're recognizing, Okay, so that has to be an excuse. But in order for any of this to work, Jim and, and Sarah, we need to have certain beliefs to start with. And and one of them is in the law of attraction. We have to believe that we're more than these physical beings, and there's more in the universe that we're connected to, so that we find value in even doing this work. So
1: yeah, so people get things wrong about yeah people think get wrong about the the law of attraction. what do they get wrong about it? I mean, because that's it's very much in our lexicon right now, you know this this philosophy of the law oh, of yeah. attraction what do they what do we get wrong about that as we deal with this stuff?
2: I can tell you what you get wrong about it is your belief about the steps in it. It's being taught wrong. I'm sorry, there's been a lot of people teaching it out there, but if you really think about it, um wouldn't it you know when you were taught algebra. There was only one way to teach it, and so you know how to do a percentage. Yes, in math today they're doing all different times of math, but it comes to the exact same point and value. Um, in the law of attraction, they keep teaching you that your thoughts create, so change your thoughts. Well, I'm sorry that that's actually um, um, not a not wrong, but it's a misconception as to the idea that thoughts. Oh, what create uh, 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 uh. your thoughts? Don't create your beliefs, create your thoughts. That's an important
0: with. distinction. It's totally That's a different. really important distinction. Because and it creates less. Yeah. I think, I think for me, you know, there's a piece too of the fear that can come when one has a thought that one, um, you know, worries i i I don't know just the idea that the thought happens then can create this entire cycle of oh god no i just thought that and now this is going to happen and then you create this cycle of you know
2: (laughs) yes i i I get now in in my spiritual community somebody will say something they'll catch themselves and they'll say take back take back take back and i'm like what the hell are you taking back (laughs) it's it's like right right you had one thought no 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 First of all, it is the beliefs, but we have to understand it is not your conscious beliefs that create. You have two sets of beliefs, your conscious left brain thinking set of beliefs and your unconscious right-brained yep. set of beliefs. Now we have to then understand where is the law of attraction connected? They don't teach you this either. The law of attraction is not connected to your conscious mind. Because if that was the case, think of how dangerous, think of thoughts. I would have a different
0: house, a different car.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but more importantly, how many people in your life would be dead because you told them to drop dead? Or or better yet, if if you're from New York, and there's a famous phrase there, from New York, I can't even envision what that would look like. If it instantaneously happened just because I thought it or even said it out loud, so
0: it can't. Well, be- it wouldn't You're serve us, part. and it, it wouldn't serve us as a whole. It no, really it wouldn't. wouldn't. It wouldn't serve us as a whole. No, it would, no it, because you know, the the power dynamic of that with what we're going on in in the world right now, <laughs> which which also leads to another question that I have, Vincent, that I'd love if you could wrap into this, is this this idea of when we're talking about the the conscious beliefs and the unconscious beliefs, what role, you know, generational learning is is having in that? Because sometimes I think with the law of attraction too, that we we can tend to think that we're an island, that that we've created all of this and that it, it's a singular type of thing. And I think you have some interesting things there about what's passed down, what we're passing down
2: yeah um those unconscious beliefs again is that's where you the law of attraction is connected so that's why it's so important and that's why i do the work that i do but now given that now you have generations of adults that have gone through their own stories with their own inner maladaptive environment made mind beliefs right and they've really not done the work. And certainly my book hasn't been out that long for them to be able to do the good work. Right. You know, right. I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
2: I can't, you know, and Tony Robbins even hasn't been around that long, but even in him doing his work. So there's generations of all of this maladaptive self-belief people. And they decide to have children. And that is going to be spread to the children in some way or another by the behavior, by the way they think they should be raising the children, by the messages they send down to the children, and it's perpetuated from generation to generation. We have been off track. Actually, this is an interesting concept. What we see as the history of our lifetime From the creation of adam in the bible till today was actually only one full lifetime on this planet Mm. there were about five to six others before us Mm. so in other words from that point and from the tree of knowledge which is what, st- what they wanted to let you know what started us off track. So right from the beginning of time, at least our time, we've been told that we went off track. Okay? And so this is generationally. We have been incarnating on this planet way too long because it's taking us too long. We keep replicating the same problem from civilization to civilization to civilization. Now we're getting... Extraterrestrials coming down to try to help us which by the way happen to be our older brothers and sisters who did evolve and they're trying to help hasten our evolvement and so you're just evolved. we're just it's
1: taking us. too long come on come we on guys let's let's move this up here long.
2: a matter of fact i've been told that the reason why you're seeing people acting up so much on the planet today is because everybody is imploding hmm. If you keep taking unlimited power, because that's how we were created to start with, in the image of force, whatever you want to call it, God, Yahweh, Elohim, it doesn't matter what you call it. It was an entity, an intelligence of power that created us. Well, we're not minimalistic powers. Nothing great and powerful can create anything smaller than itself. And that's why... It was written that we were created in its image, right? Even if you don't want to believe in that stuff, it was written for a reason. So we are equal powers. Now we're coming in purposely to experience a limited life so that we can get to know what we know. We knew too much. The Garden of Eden wasn't even here on this planet, the concept of it. It was when we were first created. And understanding then too much of what we couldn't handle. And so we created a universe and limited our understanding so we can grow into it before Mm -hmm. we became these great powers, before we had full use of who we were so that we know how divine we are. So we purposely limited ourselves, but we're doing it so many times that you can't keep compressing, compressing power, because what happens when we compress an atom? It explodes. And that's what we're seeing on the planet today is implosion of people in health, in behavior, in all sorts of chaos that's going on today. And so it's the reason why we need to do our own internal work and break the pattern that has been handed down from generation to generation. And we're starting to do it It's just not happening fast enough. It has to happen faster. We need more because we're affecting this planet way too much, way too much.
1: We definitely Uh, are. Definitely are. So I'm going to go back to um, you talk about generational and we talk about uh, these things affecting us. The two things you you say that there are two things that we learn directly from our parents. And this ties into everything. And that's, that's are we lovable and how to love ourselves? Can you talk a little bit about that? yes
2: abs- absolutely jim it's it's we learn everything else from the universe but it's the way our parents treat us the attention that we receive is how we learn whether we are lovable beings okay we come in to start with 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 an understanding on that, in that soulful level, in the superconscious mind, in the beginning. It's why two-year-old children can go up to a stranger to share their melted ice cream cone. They have no conception of anything negative yet until we're taught that. And it comes in very positive and, and, and very friendly and very warm. Children are beautiful, right? until they're taught not to trust strangers, Um, not to go in the middle of the street because you're going to get some things they're taught that are negative, that are good, just to be cautious, but negativity is then taught to us. And so we're getting all of these messages and as we're receiving the messages, that's how we learn that we're lovable or not. And then the second thing we learn from the way we're being treated at home is the pattern of how to treat ourselves. And since everything is based on love, how to love ourselves. And that doesn't always have to be good. So whatever you see at home, I'm constantly dealing with my clients, either in group or one-on-one when I'm doing my readings, being able to teach them, do you know that you became your parent? Your your greatest fear, and you said, I'm not going to be my mother, I'm not going to be my father. You actually became them with yourself. And it's so it's so easy to
1: do. It's so easy to do because it's it's um, it's the
2: only thing that we've saw. Right. Why do you think people that come from divorced backgrounds have a hard time in their own relationships because they weren't taught, they weren't exemplified a positive, loving, unconditional marriage? Now, it doesn't have to stay that way. Obviously, people can learn. Um, you certainly, that's my, my daughter-in-law came from a divorced background, but my son came from a very happy, loving background. So between the two of them, they've established a very strong relationship and it will stay that way. So it's not with everybody, but it's example that children learn by more than words. And so with all this negativity that's going out there, that's where they learn and That's why it's so easy to follow that pattern. It's the only thing that we've
1: seen and and you you make the emphasis that you know we have to do this work you can't leave your past behind oh please
2: i see so many memes on facebook about that, and I hear so many of the gurus today, authors, luminaries, and I don't mean to put down their work, they have very valuable work, but when anybody turns around and tells you to forget your past, please walk away from them because this is the person who is not gonna be helping you very much. Hmm. It's easier to chop off your arm and go around armless than it is to separate yourself from your past. You're not even meant to, it's part of your brain you're telling, you're literally telling yourself, ignore, or they're telling you, ignore a portion of your brain altogether. Okay. And it's a major portion. Whatever goes into this mind and this brain, it holds on to. So you're an accumulation of a lifetime. I'm not 67 years old. I have accumulated 67 years of age and experience, but little Vincent is in there just as much as adult Vincent. And here is the sad part. Especially in the way the world has been. We get our first set of self-beliefs in our youth, and for the rest of our lives, we're creating a new set to protect us from the original Mm. set. That's what we spend time doing. Oh, yes, there may be some good constructive beliefs we form in between that, but... We're spending, and you can tell. Look at the fights and the arguments today that are going on. You can see if you, and you can actually, there's been people that said it, and anybody can say it. My God, they look like a bunch of kids having a temper tantrum.
1: Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Totally. And then you see them, they're even They're even acting like kids going, oh, look at me, I'm up here, or I'm standing on this desk, I'm doing all of this, whatever it is. Right, It's that kid, because the adult brain, the adult-made mind, has to make them feel it's not you. It's not you. It's not because you're worthless that people aren't paying attention to you. They don't care about you. It's not because you're unlovable. It's because they're bad. They're evil. They're wrong. They have the wrong beliefs now. It's not your fault. They're trying to convince themselves that, but they don't believe that. And that's what is motivating them more—that inner child than anything. And in the seventies, there were therapists and counselors that that started a lot of inner child work. Um, John Bradshaw did a lot. Right, of work. right. Um, even Leo Bascalia came up with that inner child stuff. A lot of stuff. But then, of course, the novelty of everything wears off, and so humans want something else. But guess what? The therapists are coming back to doing that inner child work. You cannot let go of your past. You need to be able to change it. Let me give a quick example, as as quick as I can, and I have this in my book, The Whiteboard. Let's say the whiteboard is your inner child, and I want you to write and imagine all the negative things you thought about yourself on that whiteboard, all those, those negative, negative things, those words, those phrases, whatever they are, all the I'm not, plus anything else you can imagine. Now they're saying, as an adult, you can replace those. Forget those. Just ignore those. Okay? And in a new thought movement, it's all the positive stuff. So now take a whole bunch of affirmation, beautiful, oh, they have beautiful affirmation decks now, right, with the pretty pictures on them, and put them, paste them on the whiteboard. Oh, you got all these beautiful, look at that. As soon as you turn around, you see little pictures of pretty bunnies, and life is good, and you're good, and I'm good, and everybody's good, (laughs) and you've got that all over your whiteboard. Have you gotten rid of any of your original set of Mm. Mm self-beliefs? No, you've only covered them up. And with the law of attraction connected to your unconscious mind, I don't care how many pretty pictures you put on it, they're not bypassing the adult made mind they're not changing any of those feelings deep down inside and they're still going i just got off the phone with a client who believes in all of this i've done so much work i've studied so much of this and practiced this and yet i have all of these fears and blocks and i can't complete and achieve what i really want to achieve what's the problem you don't believe what you think you believe. You've got all these pretty pictures and information on your whiteboard, and you've not changed a thing. You've not changed a thing,
1: right. right.
2: fucking encyclopedia of the metaphysical and spiritual concepts now. But you've got to work on those core beliefs,
1: and so maybe i'm I don't know if I'm going in the right section here in terms of but what I want to what I want to steer to. And that is, um, the three, a system you talk about going through your, through your AMM, your adult made mind to the environment uh, made mind. And that's, is that what we're talking about? The, The steps to doing that? Um, that's one step, Jim, that is one step. Um,
2: mindfulness has been come to the surface and come to the forefront in the new age and new thought movement to be able to pay attention to the here and now. And one of the reasons why they say it's good is so that you can pay attention to your current experiences, otherwise you're missing out on your life. Well, they're missing the really good point about paying attention to the here and now, so that you can pay attention to the thoughts that are coming through in the here and now, because that's where you can catch them. So my first A is to become aware. Aware of any negative feeling, fear, or doubt, if it smells it, that comes into your mind or thoughts or even in your behaviors. Whatever it is that's negative, stop and become aware of it. Say it. Acknowledge it. There you go. Facing it. Face it. Wait a minute. I just have a feeling, had a feeling that I'm really angry that that person just cut me off. Stop. Now, acknowledge where it's coming from. I'm about ready to come out with a statement that seems unreasonable, but hear me out so that you understand what I'm talking about. And I even wrote this in my book. Every adult, unless there's some kind of mental complication, but every adult is rational, reasonable, reliable, and stable. Every adult, every adult. Listen to me. Every adult is rational, reasonable, reliable, and stable. The adult portion of every human being develops into that way unless the brain is malfunctioned. That's, and that's a rarity. However, every child is not. Hmm. So therefore, when you see the adult acting up in a negative way, that is not the adult hmm. that's acting up. That's the inner child that is part of that adult and so that is why you must acknowledge it's the child within you that is feeling angry and wants to lash back out and wants to hurt you back and wants to hit you that's not the adult and so then the third a is to affirm then and to try to change the child's mind because what that child is feeling, you just pushed a button. So when somebody cuts you off and you become really angry, okay? Never, got never, ever. Way, I know, never, <laughs> ever. Never. Right? to bring it all the way back to the first time that somebody ignored you and how it made you feel, because let's face it, when somebody cuts you off, the feeling is you're not even considering me. You don't care about me, I'm here. If you cared about me, you wouldn't even do that. Well, why are we worried about other people caring about us if that wasn't an original hurt from a long time ago and that button is pushed? Mm. And so, or that cashier in front of you who is taking all her time or his time with the person They're having a deep conversation and you're standing in line there waiting and you're getting all upset and you even turn around and you say things like, what am I chopped liver? I know, uh, hello, I'm here too. Aren't those are pushing buttons and scars from that inner child that wasn't paid attention to that was ignored and made to feel worthless when in fact, that child, that I mean, that cashier could be somebody who's so friendly. that has nothing to do with that, with you. It has to do with that she's just over friendly and talkative, kind of like me. And so <laughs> we have to make that connection and acknowledgement, and then reaffirm and affirm the truth. And that's also in my three R system. You are lovable. You are thoughtful. This is a very friendly cashier. That guy didn't really mean to cut you off. How do you know he's not in an emergency? And even if he was, he thought that he was going to make it through. He did. You didn't crash into him. I know he wasn't being really thoughtful, but it had nothing to do with you. You are you. Anybody can like you and care about you that you've got to replace those negative self-beliefs with positive self-beliefs. And that's the 3A system alone. That's only one. And you've got to do that on a daily basis. That's the point of mindfulness. Catch the negative thoughts. That, like I said, the process is simple. When I just went through that, it's like, seems so simple. Just, okay, I had a negative thought. It's from my kid. Now I got to tell my kid that he's positive and he's wonderful and he's good. All right, well, that seems simple. Okay, the practice is difficult. Do that every day, do that all day long which is what I do because of the abuse I went through when I was younger, little Vincent wants to constantly say that I'm not good enough, that I'm not gonna succeed, that things are gonna work and that my book is gonna fail and that who are you, who wants to listen to you? And I have to talk with him, even though I'm so successful today, the human part of me was hurt and he wants to speak up and be acknowledged and I have to keep, and I've changed a lot of his beliefs But the scars still are there. Every injury causes a scar. And the scars will always be there and can be easily inflamed. And it's our job to be on top of them. So I'm talking with him, the universe, the God force, um, my loved ones all day long. And if I'm not, then my mind is wandering on its own. And that's when it can get in trouble.
1: Well, this is uh, this is really interesting, and and the uh, I guess you bring in the spiritual element of it, and I, I want to talk to that a little bit. And that is, you know, how do you know, you know, when you're when you're in a place of spirituality, how do you know that you're listening to your soul, your the spirit sense versus the AMM or the EMM?
2: Oh, that's a really good question, but I have a really good answer.
1: I know you do. I know you do.
2: I always think I do. That's why I wrote the book. Goodness. Only goodness. Only positive. Only things that make you feel good let you know where that information is coming from. Whether it be the God source. People ask me this all the time. How do I know if God's talking to me? How do I know my angels are talking to me? How do I know my soul is talking to me? Because it'll only be positive. Mm -hmm. It'll only be positive. Um, It will never be negative. Even if it has to give you caution, it will never be negative. I'll give you an example. There was a special day where um, people woke up and they had the feeling of, you know what? I'm going to drive my children to school today. I mean, I haven't seen them. I keep coming home from work late. I'm not seeing them. I want to spend at least the morning with them. So I'm going to go to work late. Or, you know what, I'm going to do my chores. i got some chores I want to do. I don't want to get stuck in traffic on the way home, so I'll just go into work late this morning and I'll get my chores done. Or, you know what, I'm taking a me day today. I'm going to stay home. I haven't taken off for a long time. And that went on with a lot of people, a lot of people. And you know what day that was? We just celebrated a memory of it just the other day.
0: September so 11.
1: September, right, right, September 11th. Yeah,
2: not one of those people were told, Don't go to work today because something devastating is going to happen. That is not the kind of warnings that the source, the God, the angels gives people that doesn't, but it also allows for free will, too, because there may have been so many others that got the same message and said. Nah, I'm not going to take off. Nah, I'm going to create more work for myself if I go in late. I'm just going to go on time. I'm going to do the same thing I always do. We don't know how many. And it even is with, in the world today, those people who come up to you, people always ask me, what teachers do I listen to? What practitioners do I go to? If any psychic, if any counselor, if any teacher, when you're done with them, makes you feel worse about yourself than when you got there, you know they're a charlatan. If Mm. they give you negative information... Now, do I feed people negative information? It may sound negative, yes. For example, if I do a health reading and I said, you better go to your doctor, I'm seeing a growth inside of you, but I'm telling you the reason why I'm seeing it. Don't just focus on the fact that there's a growth inside of you. I'm seeing it because you're gonna be able to do something about it. Now, if you ignore me, okay, and if you don't go to the doctor, well, then whatever happens is gonna happen. Don't blame me and come haunting me afterwards and and so i always and only will see something if it is negative that you can do something about because there is negative in the world when a doctor turns around and says you've got this disorder you've got this problem we got to take care of it he's not being negative or she's not being negative so but they can tell you we can take care of it let's let's do what we can we can do something about it so they're always meant to make you feel at least hope or positiveness so that's how you know and your soul absolutely will only go to the positive and reinforce you and not pull you down it's only your human mind that will tear you down and give you the wrong messages
1: well vincent you know there's so much that we didn't get to that i want to get to at some point we have to have you back on i I want to get into the five common reasons people experience illness or injury but i think people are going to have to check out your book for that because i don't think we have enough time to check out the
2: book for that so, we manifest our health as well. Jim, I'm glad you brought that up. So yes, people need to read that so that they can take control of their health.
1: Absolutely. If there's one final thing or piece of advice you'd like to give our listeners today, what, what would that be?
2: Well, you can't believe in anything until you believe in yourself. You must believe in yourself before you can believe in anything else. Even even Mufasa said it to Simba in the cartoon after Simba, Mufasa died and Simba hadn't seen him and then all of a sudden there's the scene where Mufasa comes to him. Mufasa says you have forgotten who I am because you've forgotten who you are. Those messages are everywhere. If you forget who you are as a magnificent being, as a divine soul and you don't believe in yourself and you don't need the proof from anybody else and no human and circumstance. Gets to define who you are, you do. And upon creation, you were defined. If you don't believe in that, if you don't believe in yourself, you don't get to believe in anything else. It doesn't work. So do that. And then the second thing is you are worth the effort to put into doing this work because when you come out on the other side and you get to see what you've created for yourself, that's the whole point of being here, is to see how magnificent and how i'm losing the word um 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 it'll it'll come back to me how much you can create how unlimited simple word like that how unlimited you are there is nothing greater than seeing your own divinity and greatness and so it's you're worth the work
1: and it's it it helps the world too
2: Well, that's the whole point. The only way to heal the world is by healing yourself, because that becomes collective, because that moves out onto another person, which moves out onto each other, and it becomes a collective force. So it always has to begin with the self. Love thy neighbor as you love yourself was not stated the correct way. We bastardized his words. What Jesus actually said is when you love the God you are with all your heart and all your might, you will be able to extend that out and love your neighbors then as you love yourself, and then that's when unity and the world will be healed.
1: Awesome, Vincent. It's been fantastic having you on again. You're going to have to come back, will you?
2: I can come back anytime you know that part two, part three, part four. It's all part of the same conversation. Thank you for having me on. It was great talking with the both of you today. And thank you for those questions. Very thoughtful ones. Oh, my gosh.
1: For more information about Vincent Jenna, go to com and check out his new book. It's available on Amazon called The Secret That's Holding You Back. And uh, for more information about Sarah Bowen please check out her book, Sacred Sendoffs," and go to sendoffs.com. Did I get that right?
0: You got it. Thank you, Jim.
1: Awesome. It was- for more information yeah. about me, go to youthrivehere.com. Thanks, everybody, for joining us on Big Universe.
2: Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patris, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the MindBodySpirit.fm Podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.